Are you known as a complainer or gossip? Pastor Ed Taylor shares these thoughts. Do you know as believers, we are commanded to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes? Did you know that? That's a command. To avoid this type of stuff, the murmuring and complaining. I mean, if you want to become a murmurer, hang out with murmurers. You'll be one really fast. You want to be a complainer? Find a few people that are complaining. You'll complain about things you don't even care about. You'll just be a complainer. You want to be a gossip? Then invite gossip into your life. And you know, gossip is a two-way street, don't you know? It's those that speak it, those that hear it. They're both guilty. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hey, great to be with you again, and welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is knee-deep in his study of John's Gospel. We left off in chapter 7 at verse 10. Now, Pastor Ed, you're about to point out in today's study that not all division is bad, as truth is always divisive. On the other hand, some division isn't of God. So how can we make sure that we stay in the place God wants us and avoid foolish disputes and arguing? Well, I think that foolish disputes and arguing are pretty clear that foolishness means empty. It doesn't amount to anything. It is uh, divisive. Uh, And how do we avoid avoid them? We're walking in the Spirit. I I know that that sounds like, well, Ed, what do you mean? How How do I do that? Well, let me say that one of the ways you do that Uh, is by a daily walk with the Lord. Uh, One of the ways you do that is for you to be in a place where you're praying and in the Word every morning. The Holy Spirit's going to be leading you. And let's just be clear, when the text says in 2 Timothy 2.23, the text says that we are to purposely avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach. So there's an aspect of where you can see it coming, we got to avoid it. We don't, we, and you know, we're going to avoid it when it comes to us, and we're going to avoid it by not starting foolish disputes. And then there's another element where maybe we get caught up in it, and we just stop it. It's like, no, I can't go here. I'm not going to do this. This isn't from the Lord. Uh, I'm going to be gentle. I'm not going to quarrel. I'm not going to fight about this. I'm going to point you to the Lord and move on because I need to serve him. So, you know, some division distinction, you know, we got to make the distinction between uh, sin and righteousness. We need to make a distinction between the the reality of, uh, you know, casting pearl before swine and, and being careful not to follow bad examples. So there is a healthy division where we remove ourselves, even here, there's a healthy division when we remove ourselves from foolishness, from ignorance, from disputes that lead to nothing, they generate strife. You know, that would say that stop posting on Facebook, stop getting involved in all these arguments because you're not obeying this scripture and so much more in the body of Christ. Thanks for asking. Today's study is going to be so good. So with that as a backdrop, let's get into John chapter 7 for part one of Truth is Always Divisive. 
Here's Pastor Ed. Open your Bibles, would you, to John's Gospel, chapter 7. John's Gospel, chapter 7. That's where we are in studying through the Word on the weekends. Here on Saturday and Sunday, we're in the Gospel of John, studying verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And if you have your Bibles open, also turn over to Luke chapter 12. We're actually going to start there. And then we'll make our way, by way of introduction, to John chapter 7. Now, I've been in Colorado for 16 years now. It's home to me. I love being here. And I've learned that there are a couple of things that I can mention that will immediately divide the room. This room right here, right now. Easily. There are a couple, like top, top two. Do you guys know? Name, name one of them. Okay, I was not going to start with that one. Let's start with another one. But snow is definitely one of them. Snow is... And the Raiders. Exactly, exactly. If I bring up the Broncos, I bring up snow, there's always an opinion. Everybody's taking sides. You know, it doesn't... If I mention the Rockies... Exactly, that's what I mean. Exactly. I, there's nothing. And first service, we had a couple of people go, woo-woo, but they were really drowned out by the silence. Broncos, the snow, we can have a little bit of fun with those things. And it is true that there are people that take sides. But there's even a third side, and that's for the people that could care less about either one. It's always that way. Division comes. Now, I could easily bring division by mentioning some political topic. It seems to always divide or some hotbed topic that is going on in the news or going on in our city. It, it would be very easy to divide. But outside of these walls... Outside of these walls, all you need to do is bring up the name Jesus Christ, and there will be immediate division in that conversation. You could talk about Buddha, and you can talk about Oprah, and you can talk about Confucius, and you can talk about just about any other false, weird thing out there. But when you begin to mention and you insert Jesus Christ into the topic, there will be division. Why? Because truth always divides. Truth always divides. Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, verse 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And you can be sure that when you mention the name Jesus Christ, division will come. He's the Savior of the world. He is the only way to become right with God. You know, most people hate him. Now, they may not use those strong words, but he's an offense to them in our world today. Some relegate Jesus to being a myth, And a story made up. Others have surrendered their lives to him. There's a great division between those that live for Jesus Christ and those that don't live for Jesus Christ. He divides and it shouldn't surprise us. He taught us such in Luke chapter 12. I'll draw your attention there to verse 49. Luke 12. Jesus came, he says, of his own ministry to cause division. Oh, not division in the way that you and I would think. Trying to make an argument or pick a fight. No, not so. Simply truth came to earth and divided the earth into two categories of people. Notice verse 49. I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it was already kindled, but I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am until it's accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? Now, pause there for a second. Don't we suppose that? I think we suppose that. We sing about it every Christmas. We sing about bringing peace on earth. And indeed, God does desire peace to come on earth, but not in the first coming of Jesus. The first coming of Jesus came to divide. The first coming of Jesus, he came to bring truth into the world and cause the world to make a decision, either for him or against him. 
So he says, I tell you not at all, verse 51, but rather division. From now on, five and one house will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Why? For the sake of truth. There will be sides taken because of the truth of the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know how many pages it is, but go back a couple pages to chapter 11 in your Bible, in Luke's Gospel. Come with me there to verse 23. Luke 11, verse 23. Jesus is a little more direct here in Luke eleven twenty-three, 23, where he says, He who is not with me is, what does your Bible say? Against me. against me. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. I mean, we've, said it, we've also said it this way. If you're not for Jesus, you're against him. That's why when the invitation comes for you to follow Jesus Christ by repenting of your sin, I mean, that's the reality of why we gather together. We have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Most of us here today, many of you on the internet, on the radio, you have made a decision as you've acknowledged your sin before God. You know, the Bible says that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. An offensive thing for sure. Because if you look at your life, there may be those of you that go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a good person. And to that, I wouldn't disagree with you. I wouldn't want to argue with you. I'm sure that you're good and many good things come from you. But the reality is, is that even in the best goodness that you could produce, your life is still touched and tainted by sin. The Bible says not only were we born in sin, we're sinners because we were born that way, and we're sinners because we commit sin. And we commit sin because we're sinners. We're messed up. We need help. We need someone to save us and rescue us. That's just the reality. The only difference between us today in relation to sin is that some of us have sinned worse than others. Some of you have sinned far worse than me, and I've sinned far worse than some of you. That's just the facts. The Bible declares that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, all of us. So once God diagnoses the problem, he gives forth the remedy, that God, he so loved the world that he gave his own son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. The only way forgiveness can come is through Jesus He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. That today, if you admit that you've sinned against him and acknowledge that before him, exercising your faith and believing that Jesus Christ came, sent from the Father to live for you, die for you, and rise again. Jesus is alive today. You express that belief in him, confessing your sins and asking for forgiveness, making a determined decision to turn away from your sins, or what the Bible would call repent. If you will repent of your sins today, The Bible says an offer of salvation is given to you. That if you believe in your heart the Lord Jesus and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved today. You shall be saved. And in a few moments, you'll get that opportunity. I'll invite you to receive the Lord. I'll invite you to make a decision to follow him, to acknowledge and admit your sin for him humbly. But I know that when that invitation goes out, there are some among us that just say no flat out. I understand. I was in church many times, and as the pastor would give the invitation, my heart would go, Are you, no way, no way, never. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> no way. There's never, I'm never going to become one of them. I'm never going to follow God. I am a good person. I'm a Christian. I was born in America, for goodness sake. I'm a Christian. I don't want anything to do with this church, and, and yet inside there was great turmoil. So there are some of you that say no flat out. 
There's others that will say yes flat out, the exact opposite response. That is what I need. He is who I want. I need this guilt and shame removed from my life. I want the assurance of eternity in my yes, yes, yes. So you have no and yes, and there's always a third category. And the third category goes something like this. You know, I don't really have anything against God. I'm not really for him. I'm not really against him. Maybe next time. And you leave with that sort of a sense of assurance that you're going to get a next time. And that you're really not against God because it's not like you have anything against him, but you really don't want to follow him. Jesus would say to you, that's not a third category at all. It's the category of no flat out. Because if you're not for him, you're against him. If you're not with him, you're against him. And I invite you to consider that today. You can't take a new, there is no neutral ground with Jesus Christ. He is truth incarnate and truth always divides. It always brings a division. Now with that in mind, let's pick up where we left off in John chapter 7 as we watch Jesus bring division wherever he goes. Wherever truth goes, there brings division. And we'll pick up where we left off last time in verse 10. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast. Remember, he was down in the area of Galilee. His brothers were pressuring him to go up to Jerusalem as thousands upon thousands of people were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a very exciting time. And his brothers said, hey, if you want to make yourself known, and if you want to be popular, and you're the Messiah, you need to go up to Jerusalem and tell everybody. And he says, no, 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 no. He didn't respond to the pressure of man. That wasn't wise counsel. But now in verse 10, he does end up going to Jerusalem. He does end up going up to the feast. Why? Not because of the pressure of men, but because of the word of God. According to Deuteronomy, as a man, he was commanded to go and worship at the Feast of Tabernacles. And so Jesus was on his uh, father's timeline. He was doing things the way the father desired, not the pressure of man. And we learned last week a couple things. Number one, we learned that all counsel needs to be submitted to the word of God. Even good sounding logical counsel cannot be from the Lord. It makes sense. If you want to be popular, make yourself popular. That makes sense. But it wasn't from the father. What was from the father is for him to go up to the feast in obedience to him. And he still notice goes up as it were in secret, not openly it says in verse 10. He's not yet ready to make it a big production. He's not yet ready to expose everyone to the coming Messiah. He's on a very specific, he goes to Jerusalem, the Father's way, in the Father's will, and on the Father's timetable. Let me repeat that. He goes on the the Father's way to Jerusalem, in the Father's will, on the Father's timetable. Which is a great way for you and I to live our lives. It's a great way to consider our lives to being led by the Spirit of God. I'm not bound to man and the pressures of man, but I'm bound to God, and he leads me by his Spirit. You see, Jesus was on a divine mission, and you and I can say the same thing. We see time and time again the way the Lord Jesus could have pushed his way with all the public relation type of opportunities that were available to him, but he didn't. He's living out one of the passages of scriptures that we read and we've learned before in Psalm 75, verse 6, where the Bible says, exaltation doesn't come from the east or from the west, but God raises up one and he puts down another. And when it's time for Jesus to be raised up in the perfect timing of the Father, remember, the Father's way, the Father's will, the Father's timetable, it will happen. And so what does our prayer become? Not our will, but your will, Father. That's our prayer. It's not our will. You'll accomplish things your way in your timing, and we trust you. So notice verse 11. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? 
And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. Some said he is good, others said no. On the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. There is sharp division on Jerusalem. Sharp division. People are talking about. He's the talk of the town. Some are, are saying, oh, he's good. And others going, no, he's a deceiver. He's bad. And there's still others. This group saying this. And this group saying that. And this group is saying that. And how is it described? There's much murmuring. Murmuring. That's not a good word, murmuring. There's a lot of murmuring going on. They're not just talking about Jesus. They're saying things bad about Jesus. There is murmuring going on all throughout the city. No neutrality. But there's no mention that the disciples are involved in this. They're not involved in the murmuring. And one of the reasons I believe why is they made a decision in chapter 6, remember? They made a decision to stick with Jesus. They've already cast their lot. In John chapter 6, verse 66, you've got many people turning away from Jesus to follow him no more. And then Jesus turns to his disciples, are you guys going to leave me too? And what did they say? No way. Peter spoke for them all. You alone have the words of eternal life. And we've come to know that you're the son of God. You're Messiah. We're not going anywhere. And they made a conscious decision to stick close to Jesus. Now, there's a lesson in there for us. If you want to avoid the murmuring that surrounds you, and you want to avoid the complaining that surrounds you, and you want to avoid the gossip that that comes to you, and you want to avoid the slander that surrounds you, stay close to Jesus. It's very hard to gossip abiding in Jesus. It's very hard to slander someone behind their back when you're close to Jesus. It's very important that we, they avoided the division in the city by sticking close to Jesus. Do you know as believers, we are commanded to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes? Did you know that? That's a command. To avoid this type of stuff, the murmuring and complaining. I mean, if you want to become a murmurer, hang out with murmurers. You'll be one really fast. You want to be a complainer? Find a few people that are complaining. You'll complain about things you don't even care about. You'll just be a complainer. You want to be a gossip? then invite gossip into your life. And you know, gossip is a two-way street, don't you know? It's those that speak it, those that hear it. They're both guilty. That's the problem with gossip and slander. You know, talking bad about someone behind their back, that's what they're doing with Jesus right now. It's all under the banner of murmuring. Oh no, he's evil, he's deceiving. No, the problem with slander is that there are lies being spread about someone. They're simply untrue. And you want to be a good slanderer? Just hang out with people that slander. Why? Because the Bible says a little leaven... Leavens the whole lump. And you go, Ed, what does that mean? Well, again, Jesus is using a picture of yeast, leaven, and how yeast will permeate the entire loaf. Just a little bit will do its job. And leaven often in the Bible is compared to sin, and a little bit of sin will corrupt the whole thing. And how careful we need to be. We're taught to avoid this type of stuff and to avoid people that do this kind of stuff. But the problem is, is that gossip, like the Bible says, are little dainty morsels, aren't they? I mean, how could these gossip rags stay in business if it wasn't dainty morsels? How could these gossip blogs make so much money if it wasn't people weren't interested in this kind of stuff? And if we as believers, it ought not be named among us. And yet we're all guilty, aren't we? At times we're all guilty wanting to know that little piece and what about and, and may the Lord help us. Let me show you a few scriptures. Turn over to Titus chapter 3. Because I believe not only would God have us to avoid the murmuring and complaining, but he'd also have us to avoid the the kind of arguments that are just not edifying. They're, They're just not beneficial. And that's what the Bible teaches us. Turn over to Titus chapter 3 with me. Titus chapter 3. And let's just review what the Bible has to say on this topic. 
The disciples were able to avoid the division and the murmuring of the city because they made a conscious decision to stay close to Jesus. And so Paul will write Titus, this young pastor, and he would say in verse 9 of chapter 3, But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Notice verse 10. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. So not only are you to avoid the disputes, you're also to avoid and reject the divisive man. Stay away. Avoid them. Turn back a couple pages. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Notice with me verse 3. Avoid these things. Avoid the wranglings. Avoid the murmurings. Avoid the foolish, the ignorant disputes. Notice this in verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. Turn over to John's Gospel now, verse 21, or chapter 21. John's Gospel, avoid the arguments, avoid the murmurings, avoid the foolish disputes, avoid, the, those, just avoid that and the people. Stay away from it. It's going to hurt you. It's going to damage you and me. How careful we need to be. John chapter 21. Pick up with me in verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord... Who's the one who betrays you? Then Peter, verse 21, seeing him, looking at John, said, But Lord, what about this man? Now, isn't that where everything starts? Now, what about this guy? And what about this? Did you hear her? Did you hear about this? So much starts with that question. Got to love Jesus in his response, verse 22. Jesus said, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And may that be the word of the Lord to you today. What is that to you? Don't you have your hands full with your own life (laughs) and your own issues? What is that to you? You follow me. What a safe place to be. You avoid a lot of problems, a lot of problems that way. So be careful, church, please. Be careful, those of you on the radio, connect maybe downstairs in the cafe. Be careful. Be careful with folks that just want to argue. That's all they want to do. They just want to argue. You know, topics like Calvinism and Arminianism, they just want to argue about them. Topics like spiritual gifts, are they for today or not? The way your church is organized, what kind of leadership? Should we have praise songs or should we just sing hymns? Let's argue about that. Do you use the King James Version or some other version? Let's avoid it, avoid it. I mean, think about these things. Calvinism, Arminianism, you know, there was doctrine before John Calvin and Jacobus Arminius. You know, there was doctrine before them, but that seems to be the hot topic today. Do you, know that, do you know that Jesus did not sing hymns? Ooh. They didn't exist. He sang through the Psalms. Maybe he made a joyful noise unto the Lord and made up his own songs, like you do in the shower, you know, when you're just singing. And you're just like, oh, I love you, Lord. And, you know, you got the best voice in the shower. <laughs> and to that, we're grateful. But you make up songs. But we don't want to argue. What kind of this music? And should we use this? It, just avoid it. Hey, thanks for joining us today as we study through the Bible and learn of God's abounding grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. 
Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. And we're really excited about this month's offer, a book written by Steve Carr called Married and How to Stay That Way. This book will help you determine from Scripture the practical ways to resolve your conflicts and how to stop them from reoccurring. You'll also learn what the first step should be to building a solid foundation for your marriage and give you a plan for building the relationship you're seeking. That's Married and How to Stay That Way. We'll send it your way with a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it through our online store at calvaryco.store. And thank you for your support. We rely on the support of our listeners to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. And you know what? We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, there's much more to come in the Gospel of John, and we'll cover more ground on the next Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.